Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea. Sit back and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. And welcome to Pia and Cullen. It's great to have you. It is the third Friday of May. I can't even believe it. How about you guys? Going pretty fast. It, it's amazing. I, I just read an article in a journal that talked about as people age, time goes by faster. And I, I used to listen to my grandparents tell me when I was little, um, you have all the freedom you, you, you can imagine now when you're little because time is, it, it's everlasting for you. It doesn't speed up. It's not quick. And I remember listening to them all those years ago. And then when I reread this article, it talks about how fast time actually moves, yep. whether it's real or not. The article said, we don't really know, but apparently it looks like older people have a much faster pace than younger people. And Pia and I at our age would say time is absolutely speeding up. I would say that time has done a, a big speed up. And now what I'm seeing about time is that it's not very relative anymore. Exactly. <laughs> there's, oh. a, there's a fairy tale about somebody running really, really fast around a tree until all of a sudden he just evaporates. And I'm thinking that's kind of what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going faster and faster until we shift or transcend into some other form of whatever is going to be next for humanity. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that time, you know, what you were saying, Colin, about older people, you know, seeing time differently than than the youth is because we have this longer period of time to look back over to see all the things that we've done and how our perspective is, how quickly all of that has come to pass yeah. where a child has, you know, maybe a couple of years, depending on how old the, the child is, only has a limited number of years to look back on and see the progression of their lives. That's exactly so, that's exactly the way this article described it. You're absolutely spot on about yeah. their point of view. Yep. So again, you know, it comes down to point of view. It's not really about the time. It's about the point of view that we have mm -hmm. uh, as we age, as we have more time under our belts. <laughs> and, that, and that absolutely relates to perspective. You're absolutely yeah. right. Everything in our life has to do with our perspective. I mean, if, if we use astrology as, as a topic, we can look at, at our makeup, we can look at our birth chart, we can look at, at transits, we can look at all of the, the different elements and we can either become irritated or happy about what our life looks like astrologically, but it's always our choice. It's our perspective of how we look at what is going on or we look at what we're made up of. And what choices we make on the map that that chart gives us. And in the Pleiadian yeah. Earth Energy System, of course, it's every single Earth energy of every single day has a high and a low vibration. And we get to choose which road are we going to take this day in this energy. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing that's interesting about about time and about astrology, whether it's Pleiadian, galactic, the uh, tropical human design, is that it's all cyclical mm -hmm. and the cycles repeat themselves. So it's not like there's ever new energy that's coming upon us there. It's the next iteration or the next evolution of an energy that was already put into play a long time ago. And I was, I was ruminating about this yesterday as I was thinking about all the chaos and craziness that's been going on in our world from, you know, Russia and Ukraine to COVID and all of the things that happened around that and, and the politics of this country, the politics of the world. And what I was really thinking about was how much of a I'm going to use the word devolution of services has happened in mm -hmm. our world. Like here, just, you know, in my limited perspective here on uh, in, in the U S it seems like things that we always took for granted that would be there for us when we needed it are gone. 
So, or, or, you know, can't be held up to the same standard that we've always held them up to. And I'm just going to give you two small examples. One, as I was telling you behind the scenes, my sister had this stroke on uh, Monday, uh, right in the midst of the eclipse. And uh, they had to fly her to a hospital outside of where she lived because they didn't have the capability where she lived to handle that level of trauma. And they get her to that hospital. She sat in the emergency room for over 24 hours because they had no rooms in the hospital to put her in, to admit her. And I went, where in my life, you know, since it seems like since COVID that, you know, our systems, our institutions and all of this cannot keep up with the demand. And I don't know what's gone wrong there because in a system as sophisticated, presumably as we have built, um, why can't we get someone who you've flown from one hospital to another, a room? That That's criminal. That I don't, th this is a soapbox discussion for me because when someone's critically ill, they, they should be put at the top of the list. It doesn't matter who's been there first. In a stroke situation, the faster someone is attended to, the, the higher the success of their getting through whatever it is more successfully. Yeah. I just can't, that story you've just told us is that's, it's not only unbelievable, it's unacceptable. It's horrifying. It's like, you know, in an emergency room, the function of the emergency room is to handle trauma, but they have incoming patients and incoming trauma. So is anybody really monitoring what's going no. on with a patient who's parked there because of a situation where there's no room in the inn? And why did you fly her there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that I keep asking that question. Why did they fly her there? Why not to a Seattle hospital where maybe there would be more rooms. I don't know. I have no idea, but I think it's symptomatic it of the, 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 the system that we're in. Uh, another stupid example. I was trying to watch a show on Netflix the other night and it wasn't on Netflix. It was on stars. Mm. So an, a movie channel kind of thing. And that channel could not hold its, um, its, I don't know, bandwidth maybe. Mm -hmm. And so the picture kept pixelating and I thought, is it my TV or is it my internet connection? So I went off into other, uh, you know, like streams from Netflix and everything was fine. And I'm like, you're making me pay for this service and I'm only paying for it so I could watch this one particular show. And the service is so bad that I can hardly see, the, especially in the darker scenes, uh, what was going on. We have, that too. we have that when the, the small amount of time that we take to entertain ourselves, we're up against that kind of technological problem, I would say, on a daily basis. And I, I can't figure out if if our technology has gotten to the point where we invent new, tremendously incredible advances in technology why broadcasting a movie isn't just child's play that that <laughs> right that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to us no. that, that, that that's such a tiny thing compared to what we're doing in in other science fields i don't i think it's because nobody's monitoring what's going on i think they're i think they're not really watching what's going on within their system and if there was someone actually they're doing something, they would catch it and go, oh, we have to fix this. But I don't think there's anybody. Nobody's home. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's home. Yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. So even small things like, you know, that uh, happening with stars, there's nobody to call. There's no like information on how to fix the situation should you come upon, upon it. And I think it's a symptom, again, maybe of too complex of a, a world that we've We've built too much complexity into it and forgotten the simplest thing, which is customer service. Absolutely. Or taking care of, you know, the, the product or taking care of the information, whatever it is. Yep. And all, the, the reason I bring all this up, which there's no mistake, as we started talking about cycles of time, is that we're in a cycle of time that is very closely um. Uh, tracking with what we call the dark ages 
in history. And the astrology is tracking with that. So it's not like every, and, and we've come a long way in those, I don't know, 800 years since then. Um, but the same kinds of things that took down society at that point in time are happening now. Only we see it in a more complex world and it is more widely spread. You're, you're speaking my language right now because my background is in anthropology and archaeology. I have watched this my entire life and I, I have something really simple to say and I think a lot of people will understand it. Some people will laugh at me, but I don't think we've learned very much over all these <laughs> of time. I don't think we've done a good job of evolving to eradicate those cycles because we're capable. We are simply capable of doing a better job. And I really think realistically, we haven't, we haven't come up to the mark and mm -hmm. yep. that opens, that opens a Pandora's box of what have we been doing all these years? What, what have we been interested in? What have we been pursuing? Couldn't we have done a better job? And I really honestly, from a professional point of view, don't think we have. I kind of agree because I, but I, I, I kind of see why that is Colin, because at a very, for a very long period of time, we didn't have the consciousness as individuals that we have now. Mm -hmm. And it's been a relatively short period of time since we've had that co-creative awareness of our reality. So all these times that these things have been happening and we're still doing it, we're in reaction to things mm -hmm. that happen versus responding when something happens. And, you know, there were plans on what to do in a pandemic, right? Irregardless, it's just, you know, the, the argument over whether it was real or not, let's just, the thing is there were plans about what to do should some virus or germ get, you know, taken away and start a pandemic. But when it came right down to it, everybody was like running around in circles like chickens with their heads cut off, not following the plan that they themselves had laid out. Yeah. So Janet, to add on to what you said about we haven't been in this consciousness for very long, part of the problem of being within this consciousness, too, is that we have fields of supposed science. I call mm. it maybe not science, but psychology specifically focuses upon individuality, not unity consciousness, How not how are we contributing to the whole, but it's all about me, 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 me. Speak up for yourself. Speak your truth. Me, me, me. Mm -hmm. And our cultures have enhanced what's causing more separation rather than focusing upon, look, now that we have this level of awareness, we could work together and we could be more unified yeah. and peaceful. Here's, yeah. here's, here's a wonderful, oh, do you have a thought, Janet? Oh, no, go ahead. Well, here's a, here's a really funny um, indicator of that. Never before in the use of cameras, um, we, we've used camera and film and now digital for over 100 years. Never before was the selfie invented until no. recently. That is a perfect example of what P is talking about. Mm -hmm. people, people want to be in the limelight. They want to be foremost. They want to be, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I, I don't want to sound like a, a, a negative judger here, but I think the selfie generation, and that's many different ages. It's not just a certain age group, but this, this time on earth right now, selfies are, are a social societal way of expressing ourselves. And I think it's very telling. And that's all I'm going to mention that just that one little aspect it's telling because I'm, I'm cracking up because I have, you know, uh, teenaged grandchildren and they're on things like TikTok or Snapchat and things like that. And every time that I get a Snapchat from them, it's pictures of them posed, you know, doing strange things or blowing kisses. And I'm like, it's so funny because there's no context other than them in the frame. But I know why this is happening. It's because there's they're feeling disconnected because yeah. I mean the the very technology that they're using to share this selfie with them is disconnecting them 
from the people around them from really enjoying the the you know conversation the 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 being together uh part of living and you know for for all the wonderfulness of being able to connect with people all the way around the world with you know a text message or a, a phone call uh it also has been the sort of bane of our existence or the undermining of the social fabric the things that connect us together so absolutely absolutely yeah. it's it's missing the moment it's actually missing the moment of what's occurring mm -hmm. and it's amazing. P, when P and I used to travel a lot, which we haven't lately, um, we would notice that so many people around the world, regardless of nationality, regardless of age, were viewing what they were doing through a lens, whether it was a camcorder, uh, a cell phone camera, an expensive SLR camera. They were viewing what they were doing through the lens rather than experiencing it directly, just as it's happening in real time reality. And we marveled at watching people missing the, the wonder, the, 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 ap the absolute connection, whether it's with nature or with other people or whatever the circumstance, they were viewing it through a screen, which doesn't allow them to be in the moment right then. Yeah. They want to capture it so that they can share it with people later or so they can view it later. But that diminishes what they're experiencing in that very moment. Mm -hmm. It's funny because, you know, our, our I have, you know, my husband and I were in our early 60s. And then I have my children who are 30s and my oldest daughter just turned 39 yesterday. And then I have grandchildren from uh, Wyatt, who's four years old, to Mackenzie, who's 19. And uh, so I watch, you know, like, what are the people sharing? What What's the family sharing when they go on, on vacations or trips and so forth? And I had noticed with the, the teenagers, it's all about them and their friends that might be in the frame. When my daughter, they were there on a cruise right now, and they're sending pictures of them all sitting at the table with their, you know, margaritas or whatever they're drinking. And when Terry and I go out on vacation, what am I shooting? I'm shooting the pictures of the mountains, of the rivers, of the, the trees, the birds, whatever it is that I'm seeing. I just have to laugh at the different perspectives yeah. that are coming through in the different uh, years. And then I, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I probably should take a picture of Terry and I so that they can see us too in this environment. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting how that plays out. Maybe just a different field of focus, a perspective yeah. that the age groups have that's different. Yeah, I think that's true. I really yeah. think that's true. But it is kind of funny to watch that happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go back just for a moment about when you were talking about cycles. Mm -hmm. one, one thing that, that's been really obvious to me over the years, and this is a very old saying, but there's nothing new under the sun. Right. I think, I think these cycles that continue to pop up, that, that these patterns keep showing up, I think it's a wonderful chance. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to manage what we didn't look at or what we didn't manage when we were in the cycle the time before or even the time before, before the time before. And I think the cycles are extremely important because we have the ability to clean things up by using those cycles intelligently and really working on ourselves, doing whatever we wanna call it, shadow work, psychological work, interpersonal work, self-talk, whatever it is. The cycles give us that opportunity and instead of seeing them as, as a boring repeat or a, a, a negative, I think we can use them educationally to really move ahead. And I think that's part of our evolutionary capability at this time. Well, and those cycles, very much like the Pleiadian calendar, are spirals. Yes. Right? So they're spiraling through. And at the end of every spiral is the opportunity to elevate, you know, and begin the new cycle or the new part of that cycle with a new consciousness. And, you know, I, I, I would say that we have done a superb job in some ways, but in some of the more basic humanitarian 
ways we have totally lost it. Totally well, lost it. problem with focusing everything on linearity, which time mm -hmm. absolutely brings in past, present, future. But linear thinking, reading from left to right, any kind of linear anything eliminates the, the liveliness of the spiral. Yeah. And if you look to nature, the spirals in everything, the Nautilus shell is the perfect example of life, of how everything spirals around. It's, nature has the phi ratio that is so present in the Nautilus shell all the way through everything. If you just look and pay attention to the proportions, the dimensions, the movement, the cycles, it's all about spirals. There's no linearity in nature, none. Yeah. And, you know, we're kind of unique on this planet, maybe because we can see the nature of cycles very mm -hmm. clearly because every month the moon is moving. Every, every month the, the moon is moving through uh, the, a set pattern. Every year, the sun is moving through a set pattern. So we, we, have, we have this idea of patterns and of cycles. And we set intentions with the new moon. We see them, you know, starting to come to fruition with the full moon. And by the end of that cycle, if we've been aligned with that intention, we see the, um, the, the results. But I think people don't understand that there are these larger cycles of time that mm -hmm. are also astrological and uh, also have that rhythm to it that are designed to take us to the next level but those mm -hmm. are harder for us to see because mm -hmm. they're so big like oh you know the one that i was talking about that takes us back into uh the dark ages that's more than 800 years ago mm -hmm. so no one alive today has you know much other than historians um you know, have much uh, knowledge about what was going on then. What precipitated the Dark Ages? Well, funny thing, it was the plague, a, a germ, a bug, right? Uh, or a virus, whatever it was, right? And then what starts to happen after that? The systems all start going kaflui. Everything starts falling apart. And then there were invasions of other countries by other nations or other, you know, seafaring. At that point, it was seafaring. Uh, nations coming in and uh, attacking the nations that were already in play. And so what do we see? You know, we see a Russia invading a Ukraine. We see, you know, all of these different things that are so, they're like tracking congruently with uh, the that time period. Mm -hmm. And a lot of death, right? That was a time of a lot, a, a good chunk of the population died. And I just heard, you know, a um, stat uh, yesterday, was it, or day before where we hit the million death of this pandemic, irregardless of whether it's real or not, guys, don't, don't take me there. Um, and that's extraordinary because that also tracks with that time period. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing to look historically. History isn't one of Pia's favorite subjects. Um, <laughs> Pia, Pia lives in the moment probably more than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. However, talking about this subject matter does have relevance. And yeah. I'm sure Pia will agree to, to speaking and listening to some of this. Part, of course, part I just of this. don't live there, but I'm but, happily, happily interested because it does show a different perspective that we need to view from a larger position. Yeah, and, and if, if we look at all the, the civilizations, all the, the nation states, if we look at Rome, mm -hmm. Greece, classical China, um, Sumeria, I mean, there, Babylonia, there are so many examples of these societies getting to the point where they were quite sophisticated in their time, in, in their time epoch or zone, they, they had technology. They knew how to move water. They, they, knew how to, they knew how to do things, to build things that had never been built before. Yep. However, each one of those civilizations got to the point where they became too sophisticated for their own good and they fell apart yeah and the cycle of that that we can see today that you've discussed already at length is 
we seem to be in that very same cycle of, of what we used to be able to rely on that you mentioned at the very beginning of this conversation. We can no longer rely on those standards of, of performance, quality, whatever it is. Our societies yeah. worldwide have lost that ability to to perform in that quality way that we all grew up with, that we were all used to. And because it's everywhere in the world, we can't blame a specific society or a specific country. It's absolutely worldwide. And I think that gives us the knowledge that something's really up here. We have reached a place in our social development where someone's been asleep at the wheel, apparently. And all we, of us. <laughs> I'm trying to I mean, be, we're participating in all of this, right? It's not like this is happening to us. We've created it by participating in it. Absolutely. And, and Janet, we've talked over and over again in our discussions with you about personal responsibility. And that's where yes. this comes in again, because if each of us individually and collectively had been a little bit more personally responsible we would have caught some of these little things that that have grown and grown and grown and turned into situations that don't work, that simply don't work. So yes, we are responsible for what we've gotten ourselves into. Exactly. But here's the good news, right? I know a lot of people out there are like, no, I don't like history. I don't want to know history, but we have to have those, we have to have the knowledge of history because like I said, these are that that time in history was part of a cycle of time that we can chart through the stars, right? That that have meaning for us from then to now. But what followed the Dark Ages was the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. So there's hope on the horizon that you know it seems like out of the darkest of the days that something is triggered within humanity, like a, a little creative spark that just suddenly flames up. And then, you know, bursts out into the world in these, you know, beautiful, at, at that time, it was the dawning of the scientific mind for, you know, whatever we've taken that wasn't not necessarily in the most positive, but art and music and just some beautiful things happen out of that dark time in history. And I think we're kind of lucky at this point that time seems to have sped up because perhaps we don't have to wait for 400 years for that <laughs> Renaissance time to come. And uh, maybe, you know, it's just around the corner, right? It's just around the corner. That's how I want to look at it. Uh, now, I want to take a pause from talking to you guys for a second because I see a lot of comments coming in from the stream. And so I just want to acknowledge everybody. I, I can't read everybody's comments, but there seems to be a conversation going on about history and whether uh, the, you know, it's a good thing or, or not. Um, Asa says, me too, Pia, that, you know, she's not a fan of history. Uh, Susie Gemini says, are we in the Kali Yuga? And I don't know much about the Yugas, but I would say, uh-huh. Um, and Christine Buckingham has a great question. And it I just lost it. I know it's here somewhere. It's what, oh, what is your take on Atlantis? Oh, well, Colin can talk about that. Having been and having conscious memories of Atlantis, that's very something he can easily talk about. I was there. There's no doubt in my mind that, that I participated in what happened in Atlantis. And I, I was a scientist but I was a scientist trying to stop what was going on. And I was a rebel. I was a, I was a person who was trying to explain to the people who were designing all of the technology that they were going down the wrong road and that they were actually creating something that would eventually be unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And it was, and it changed that society, that world at that time. Not only Atlantis, it changed other continents around the, also and what they through the cataclysm they created. And what right. what I've what I've gotten through my memory of that, and this is a spontaneous memory. I, I didn't go through hypnotic regression. This is something I've known since I was a very small child. It was just a spontaneous understanding. 
what I've come to understand all of these years later, I'll be 75 next year. I've been here a really long time in earth time years. What I've gotten from this experience is we're repeating Atlantis right now. Yeah. We, we are directly, this is a perfect thing about talking about cycles. We are actually repeating the cycle of what happened in Atlantis. Our science has, has gone rogue. It has gone runaway. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that we should not be dabbling in. Clo cloning, cloning fish genes into corn is not a good idea. It's just not a good idea. It's, it's not going to help us in the long run. There are so many things I could bore people with and I won't take the time obviously, but to answer that question, Atlantis was real and we are directly repeating what happened in Atlantis from my point of view and from my memory. And we've got to get smarter and we've got to be more responsible to curb the runaway science that's doing anything it can do in the name of science because it can be done. We have to step away from because it can be done, we can go in that direction. We, we, need, we need a governor to stop negative destructive science at this point. Mm -hmm. And that's going to have to come up from within us because they're, it, it, the very thing that we are rejecting in a big way on this planet right now is the idea of a governor, mm -hmm. right? A, 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 an entity that holds some sort of sovereignty over us. That's a big fight on the planet. So somewhere along the line, there has to be something. I was just reading an article about uh, the potential of the Supreme Court to take away the rights of the uh, of, of the government to take care of the environment. Well, I don't think that's a good idea because naturally we're not there yet as humans to govern ourselves in that respect, right? So otherwise, you know, corporate, it's still, we are still so tied to that greed model that you give corporations an inch and they're going to take a mile. Yeah. And next thing you know, the Arctic is going to be filled with drilling platforms and Alaska is going to have, you know, all the pipes that they want. And, uh, you know, irregardless of the impact to the planet itself. So we are on a destructive path that's being born out of our wanting less regulation. So, uh, you know, we have this sort of, um, uh, duality going on there. It's so, it's fascinating if I can step back and look in and be objective about it, which is hard because I really hardcore appreciate this planet and really don't necessarily want to see people just doing whatever they want, wherever they want, trampling, you know, the planet. So how do, how do we, how do we work with that then? I think Janet, we have to simply raise our consciousness. If we, if we keep our consciousness at the level where we have created these problems, we can never solve these problems. So therefore, we have to raise our consciousness to the next level so we can see from the broader perspective what needs yes. to be done. Yes, and people yes, are yes. doing that. People are apathetic. They're lazy. They want things to go back to the way they were rather than seeing that that's clearly not the path we're on. And, and until people recognize and accept, this is where we are. We're not going back to the good old days. Now we have to consciously create something better and different. And all, until people do that, we're going to be stuck. And, and all choices from now on, and I mean now on, have to be made from the position of making choices for the highest good of all, yeah. not for the few, not, not for the corporate world, right. not, for the, not for the elites. Each choice we make has to be considered, how will it affect everyone else, not just me? And if we do that, that's the consciousness change that P and I are looking at and we've been working towards for a lifetime. How do we make that change to say, this has to do with all of us, not just me? And until we take that personal responsibility each and every one of us, I'm afraid it's not going to change. And that that is the consciousness leap that, that we have right in front of us. We can do this, but each person has to grapple with, am I more important than everyone else? Or is the whole more important than 
each one of the little parts. It's it's a simple it's a simple theory. It's a simple example. Yeah, and if we look at it from an astrological point of view, and uh, you know, who I don't know, you know, what uh, age that Atlantis would have been in. In other words, like we're moving toward the age of Aquarius. So I don't know what age, astrological age, or Yuga, for example, that uh, Atlantis would have been a part of. But if we look at what's in front of us now, we have an Aquarian viewpoint that is dawning on us, which is one of more consciousness around choices that we make. And it just so happens this weekend, I'm going to turn astrological for everybody here. And by the way, Colin, uh, Christine, thank you for your answer uh, on that question of um, Atlantis. So I just wanted to pass that on to you. And uh, Tom, I just sent you dictionary.com's definition of irregardless because it is a word. And just, just for you, Tom, and uh, uh, the, the weekend, as we go into this weekend, we have the moon moving through the sign of Aquarius. So now we have this moment in time where we can bring all of this conversation together and see, you know, every, every month, the moon is going to move through the sign of Aquarius, giving us a little mini lesson about living in the next age, just as if we were, you know, getting ready to move into the age of Pisces. Every time the moon moved through Pisces, we would have a mini lesson on what that would have brought for mm -hmm. us. So as we look ahead to the, the, the weekend, let's take a look at the light of Aquarius, because we live in this dual world. So we're going to have the light and we're going to have the shadow. Uh, and in the light, we have an open-mindedness, right? We have people that aren't focused in this tunnel vision, they're able to open up their minds and see things from a bigger perspective, which then leads us to innovation, to being able to see new ways to solve old problems. We can't solve the problem from the same level that it was created. Something somebody famous or another said that. So we know, like Pia said, it is a raising of consciousness that we need in order to, to move forward in a way that doesn't repeat the same patterns over and over again. And that might mean that we have to think outside of the box, also an Aquarian value, thinking differently and thinking originally, right? Not shutting it down and saying, well, that doesn't match the, uh, the, the way that the conformity that we're looking for. We need to be innovative. We also need to be original, progressive. We have to see that we can move forward and humanitarian. We have to consider people. The, the impact of things on humans as well as animals and plants, that humanitarian view takes in more than just humanity, it takes in all of it. But we're the ones that are capable of dealing with the problems in a humane way. So bringing in humanitarianism as a way to solve problems. Idealism another big key in uh, Aquarian energy. And what would happen if we turned everything upside down and saw it from a new point of view? That's kind of the thinking I think about with Aquarius. Now, when we go to the darker energy, the, the, the shadowy energy, we have closed-mindedness. So we have the opposite of open-mindedness. In the shadow, we have closed-mindedness, condescension, um, and, you know, that is a killer of innovation. Know it all, right? Been there, done that, know it all. And uncooperative, no cooperation, no sense of wanting to cooperate. Rebelliousness. Now, on one hand, rebelliousness can be a good thing, but unconstrained rebelliousness is just destructive. Constant opposition, even. And being inflexible and unreliable are some of the more negative aspects of a planet or a time period in Aquarius energy. That's this weekend. And actually all the way through Sunday. From today, today the moon is already in Aquarius. So we've already begun this energy and it ends uh, on Sunday late morning uh, for those of you on the East Coast. And it'll be afternoon for those of you over in Europe. And then the moon will move into Pisces. So we have a weekend uh, or maybe we can think outside the box. We're certainly having an outside of the box conversation this morning, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> so let's, before I go on to the other part of the astrology I wanted to talk about today, tell us about 
where we're looking at for the calendar or what we're looking at for the calendar for this weekend. I, I have us at nine evolving today. Yep. Moving to self-regulating or 10 self-regulating tomorrow and on Sunday, 11 catalyzing. As I look at those three days, I feel a little tremor of, of uh, change coming through the weekend. Well, on top of that, Janet, we're at three quarters of the way through the most volatile emotional energy of the whole Pleiadian Earth energy calendar. We're, we're in the overlighting period of, of feeling energy. So everything we're talking about, about needing to be unified, needing to move into places that are look for the highest good of all, of all, feeling energy is all about me, me, me. What do I feel? What am I, what's going on with me? So it's going to be bringing up a lot of that stuff. And today's energy evolving and nine evolving is calling us to evolve mm. towards harmony, evolve towards more harmony. That's what you're being asked to do. That's what we're working on. Tomorrow we move into 10 self-regulating and 10 is one of those energies that has a real obvious turning point. If we've done our work, we can manifest what we're trying to intend. If mm -hmm. we have not paid attention and done our work, a 10 will bring challenge after challenge after challenge. And for a 10 to arrive in self-regulating energy means, okay, get your act together. You got some challenges coming up. Maybe you got some things you thought you were done with and you haven't. <laughs> Just when and you the, thought you were on a track of right. positiveness. <laughs> and then we move into, on Sunday, we move into 11, which of course brings in more light, more illumination, but catalyzing, which is things shaking up a bit, storms brewing, what's going to burst loose. So I think you're right. I think it's very possible we're in for some tumultuous energetic times. <sighs> And this is and this is following the eclipse. Yeah. This this is the direct ability to look at, deal with, and and educate ourselves of what we just went through with the powerful powerful eclipse that we just finished. Right. Um, I have a question. So the, now the cycles of of uh, time in the. Pleiadian calendar don't match up exactly to say like the cycles of the moon, right? So the cycle of the moon is a 28 and a half day cycle. So the uh, Pleiadian calendar is a 13 day cycle. So they don't match up exactly. But when we are talking about, for example, energies like this weekend, so we have nine evolving, 10 regulating and 11 catalyzing. Uh, juxtaposed against the astrology of Aquarius, is there any seam that brings those things together? Well, I think what we have to look at the most is that the cycles are involved in the Palladian Earth energy perspective of integrating. We're mm -hmm. building and building and building until we hit 13, which comes on Tuesday, the point of integration. So the building of the themes with the Aquarian energy you're talking about this weekend and the freedom that's so much a part of Aquarian energy on the high end, rebelliousness, freedom, but on the low end, too much rebelliousness and being rigid about what we want to hold on to can keep us stuck. That's definitely aligned with what's our 10 energy on, on Saturday going to be. Are we going to go into our challenges with grace and flow and regulate mm -hmm. ourselves to become better? Or are we going to dig our heels in, get more rigid, hang on to what we want for us because we're in this feeling energy, me, me, me. What are we going to do? There is definitely always an overlap. They're, they're, they don't match but they always interweave together in a way that they blend. There, there is an alignment, not, not a, a angular. An, yeah. No, but what I'm trying to say is there, there's not a definite connection overall, but what we've noticed with developing this system and looking at Western astrology, Vedic astrology, Chinese astrology is there is a theme as P is saying that, is interwoven between all of the systems that actually makes sense. So and I'd have to disagree with the, with you just a little bit that there's not a definite overall theme. I think there absolutely is a definite overall theme, but I think it's at a very subtle level. It is. And mm -hmm. we have to get to the subtlety to be able to grasp it because at the top level, the top surface of this, 
it's like Colin said, you can't see it. It's when you go into the depths and you're willing to raise your consciousness that the alignment shows up more clearly. Yeah, I agree. So I want to say this then. Tomorrow, the sun moves into Gemini and that will put the movement of that sign at 10 self-regulating. Can Is there a message there for us that we take on through Gemini season that we can see is coherently weaving together the two astrologies? Keep your mouth shut until you speak. <laughs> <laughs> Gemini, before you speak. Gemini loves to communicate, which is wonderful. But in a 10 energy, it is, especially under feeling, me, 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 in mm. that energy, we need to really take a breath, pause, and think clearly about what we want to say. We're still in Mercury retrograde, too. You add all those things up together, and I'd say moving into a Gemini period, the best advice any of us can have to utilize this is close your mouth and think before you speak. There's a, there's a funny saying, when we have a thought, walk it around the block before you speak it. I love it. I love it. That's so uh, somebody just said something that I thought was funny and it said, edit, ed edit. Oh, it says eat at all times. That never mind. I thought it said edit at all times, which I thought was funny too, because editing what you're going to say yeah. uh, before you actually say it. So, so for all of us Geminis that are out there and there's quite a few in our, our little world here um, going into Gemini season, even though my birthday's at the other end of Gemini, but Tom's birthday's coming up here shortly, is to to take away the takeaway message of ten regulate self-regulating at the uh, opening day for Gemini is to really watch then what is coming out of your mouth. What are you saying? But also because Gemini's a sign of thinking, right? There's a lot of informational aspects, mm -hmm. curiosity that drives Gemini, not just to communicate, but also to, to learn, right, to bring in information. Uh, so would you say that that's a clue for us for the whole of that Gemini season? I would, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on just those people who are Gemini. Colin no, has a Gemini ascendant, you're a Gemini sun sign. I wouldn't put it just on that because all of us have a Gemini house, we all have Gemini in there. Yes. And because we have a Gemini house, that means each and every one of us needs to close our mouth and think about what we're saying <laughs> before we say it. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And along with that, um, the need for Gemini energy is about listening. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Yeah. Listen before speaking. And Thank you for bringing up the whole uh, energy of of Gemini and all of the the uh, weekend energies from the calendar. Because today, one of the things I also wanted to talk about with everybody is uh, Mercury's cycle and Mercury as the the ruler of Gemini. Mercury, the planet that rules communication and rules information and transportation and all things, you know. Uh, to do with uh, how we communicate with one another, but also the systems that 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 back uh, communication. Uh, we also have the sun tomorrow conjunct Mercury or Mercury conjunct the sun. And that signals the beginning of the Mercury cycle. So it's always interesting to me that the the cycle of Mercury begins in the middle of the retrograde. Mm -hmm because it's always in the middle of the retrograde that Mercury conjuncts the sun. So tomorrow is effectively also a beginning of the new season of the sun and Mercury. And it just so happens to happen at zero degrees of Gemini, mm -hmm. which is the ruler for Mercury. So we have a lot of that, that whole thing that you were talking about, you know, self-regulating, checking your words before you speak them, uh, checking your thoughts even, because what are you thinking on? What are you focusing on? That comes in with the 10 part of the self-regulating, right? Because you're, if your focus is on something that you don't want, then you're actually attracting that to you. So we have a time period where all of that is uh, going to be coming up. So this time period tomorrow begins what we call the inferior conjunction. 
So in the cycle of Mercury, and we're not going to be able to talk about the whole cycle today, guys. I had totally forgotten on Monday when I said that, that Pia and Cullen were going to be here. So we, we have time. We could take that up on Monday and talk more about the cycle, but we can talk about where are we right now and where we are right now is at the beginning of the cycle. And this happens when Mercury is at its closest approach to the Earth. Mm-hmm. So Mercury is very close to us, very near to us. And it is about uh, plus or minus five days before Mercury will become visible as uh, the, the low on the horizon in the morning. So it is a, a kind of like Venus where he shifts sometimes between the morning and the evening being able to be seen. And what happens here is a new seed being planted, a new seed being planted in the middle of a retrograde. So it's, it's just fascinating to me because we usually think of a, a retrograde as stopping the action or in somehow slowing down the action or causing us to take a view backwards at something. But with Mercury in retrograde, in mid-cycle here, we are looking at the promise and the potential for something new that we want to plant. Now, I'm not saying that it's time to plant, but it's time to start looking at what is it that you want to plant because we're still in the dark if you will in this cycle Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't know but we sense what's coming or what we could do next right so you can you can and to pia's point you all have this gemini energy somewhere in your chart so what's being planted here is of a gemini nature and that has to do with communication perhaps or Mm -hmm thinking or teaching or writing or acting or uh, any of the the more um, communication style of of energies. And what you could say now is it's time to prepare the space for what's new, like the fertilizing of the ground, getting it ready. If you're going to plant um, you don't just plant it with hard, you know, soil with all the rocks in it. You have to go through the preparation of the soil. And that's where we are right now. And this heralds a new day for us. So it's a day tomorrow while this conjunction is happening to really take note of and observe what is going on around you. And the moon tomorrow in Aquarius is in a favorable aspect to this not necessarily by degree, but by energies, there's a good match. These are both air energies, right? So we have maybe some inner desire, some inner seed that's been planted. And we're getting the sort of nod, if you will, that it's time to get ready for that. So it's a growing phase that we are getting ready to go through. And that happens when the sun comes to the conjunction. Uh, or when the when Mercury comes to the conjunction with the sun. It's kind of clever, I think, how, how the universe brings us to that. I think it's absolutely purposeful. I think the design, the design is obviously there for for the seed of something new to be planted in the midst of chaos. I mean it's it's actually a, a perfect blend of duality and a perfect blend of let's create something during this time that could be potentially challenging. Right, right. The um, the inferior conjunction, which is like a new moon, right? The, the inferior conjunction of Mercury to the sun is like a new moon, which what do we do at a new moon, right? It's a time for seeding. It's a time for new intentions. It's a time for gaining a new direction. And it's a little broader with the moon because the moon is changing signs every month. This is a very clear idea that for uh, the time period between now and the next Mercury retrograde, it's the opportunity to plant seeds for things Gemini, right? For things Gemini. Now, remember that we're still in the retrograde and he's moving backwards into Taurus as well. So part of the cycle is then going to be about how do I ground in this new idea? Mm-hmm. Right, because the Taurus is Earth. It's not air. It's no longer just up here in the mind and thinking and ideas and inspiration. Now it's concrete. It's practical. It's what do I do? Yeah. So it's a really interesting. It's a really interesting retrograde. And then, of course, the next step in this cycle is Mercury turning direct. 
that might be the actual signal of movement forward, even though it'll still be in the shadow. And then there are other parts of the cycle that I don't you know, want to get into today, but I thought it was interesting to see uh, that tomorrow 10 self-regulation is also Mercury conjunct the sun. <laughs> Mercury in retrograde conjunct the sun. Mercury in retrograde, it has an inner focus to it. Self-regulation is all about the self and, and regulating what it is that you're doing. Learning to respond rather than react to outer circumstances and inner turmoil, both. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Any other questions? Count to 10 before speaking works too, Christine said. I love that. Um, and even just, you know, taking the breath, taking a breath before you yeah. speak out something. So um, anyway, uh, Susie, I saw on Gaia, to Colin's point, Atlantis, trying to create cat people, etc. Too much meddling with Mother Nature. There is no lie in nature. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to create cat people. Now, um, you know, that reminds me of the stories of the, is it the Anunnaki, where they were seeing that people on, that, that they were they were trying to create like different versions of the human by mixing DNA of animals with humans. And they were disasters most of the time. And uh, that was a problem at that point in time. So interesting that there's also a, a parallel to Atlantis where that might've been happening. And I wonder why they were trying to create cat people. I don't know, but they're doing similar things now. As Colin said earlier, we are repeating the same mistakes that Atlantis made. They're already cloning different species together to see what will happen. To make, oh, a, to make a better, what they're saying is to make a better world. Yeah, right. And it's not, Mother Nature doesn't need to be altered. Nature, nature is a prime force. Nature is is something that was designed to work in its own evolutionary process. Trying, trying to do something from the human point of view to change it is not the answer. Oh my God. You know, and the thing about it is we could stand up on our soapboxes and yell about, look at Atlantis and what the fall of Atlantis brought to this planet. But there is no belief out there from the scientific realm that Atlantis ever existed. So <laughs> there's not the ignorance of what had happened in the past can't even help us now. That's because right. there's just a total blank slate there. They just don't see that anything ever happened around Atlantis. It's all mythology. Absolutely. There's no proof of it. Absolutely. It's kind of a catch-22. It is. It is. But but more and more people are waking up. More and more people are remembering. And the the parallels that we're talking about are becoming more obvious. So it, it is changing, actually. There there is there is a motion going on that will help people to say, wait a minute, didn't we try this before? And it was a terrible mistake. <laughs> oh God. Uh, one last thing about this weekend's energy, guys, is that today, uh, tomorrow, excuse me, the, the Human Design Week also changes, and it changes to the Gate 20, uh, which is up on the Throat Center, and the Gate 34, which is on the Sacral Center. The connection of those two gates makes this a manifesting-generated week, and so the energy of the Gate uh, of earth at the gate 34 is really talking to us about responding as opposed mm -hmm. to reacting, yeah. right? There's a real sense that the opportunities and the things that we're here to do are not meant to be taken from idea or inspiration or impulse. And they're meant to be waited on until there's something in the outer world to respond to. And that requires patience, which is the gate 20 that the sun will be at. So patience mm -hmm and waiting for something to respond to, not being impulsive, not just knee-jerk reacting, but there's so much 
potential volatility in the energy because it's active. It's very action oriented. And as well this weekend, we have Mars in an activation with Pluto. And that doesn't necessarily bode well either for people who jump out at things or react. So uh, it is it is an interesting weekend that we find ourselves in <laughs> for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, so unbelievably, it is 9 uh, a.m. already. It is time for us to close. Uh, I want to take a moment to thank you, uh, Colin and Pia, for joining us this morning. It's always wonderful to be with you two and to have you share your insights with us uh, and help us live through the Pleiadian astrology, which elevates our consciousness. And I want to remind everybody out there that this afternoon, 12 noon Pacific time, is the Astro Design Meetup where we are taking up the moon today in our discussion. And of course you are welcome to come, it is free. The Zoom link is on my Living Astrology Facebook page and join us with your human design chart or your astrology or your gene keys uh, uh, for a discussion or answering of your questions. Uh, again, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. East Coast time. I have no idea what time that is, maybe seven o'clock PM for those of you in Europe or in the universal time zone. That is it for me. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much again, Pia and Colin. We'll see you next month. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Janet. Bye for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>